the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hello, it's good to be here, and it's uh, it's wonderful to be alive. I feel healthy, I feel... Very blessed, very, very blessed indeed. And, uh, you know, I just had some amazing moments yesterday when I learned uh, about my friend. I told you about that, Charles Stanley. But you know what? I feel like he was saying hello from heaven yesterday. A couple of little things happened, and it's very tough for me to put into words. I can't really totally figure it out, but a couple of things kind of just came together. And uh, I wonder if Dr. Stanley uh, had a word with God about it, huh? Tell you what, it works that way. It really does. I do believe you. Uh, life, life can be great. Life can be amazing. I know. I know. It can also be very, very miserable um, if we choose to make it miserable. And real challenges come. Real challenges come. But you know, adversity, adversity builds strength. It really does. It. Uh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I went through all the pitfalls, all of the hard times. Uh, you look back. You know. You ever look back to when you were in fifth grade? And you think about how miserable you were in fifth grade. I was miserable in fifth grade. Maybe you had the time of your life, but I was totally miserable in fifth grade. How am I going to make it through? Oh, my gosh, this homework or whatever it was. And then you look back and you think, if only I had those problems again. They weren't even problems, although it seemed like they were problems. And I think a lot of the stuff that we worry about are not really problems. Then again, there are real life challenges. And, oh, boy, you know, that that, that can totally rock your world. And uh, anyway... Feeling very good about a couple of different things. And um, I do have to address this, though. On this day in history, let's see, April 19th, 1995. Is this real? This was the anniversary of the um, Oklahoma City bombing. The Oklahoma City bombing happened on this day in 1995. I remember where I was, actually. I was in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, how many years ago was that? 28 years ago. Well, it's not really an anniversary we necessarily uh, commemorate. Let's see. Your report on April 19th. Cut eight, please. Cut eight. A massive car bomb exploded outside of a large federal building in downtown Oklahoma City, shattering that building, killing children, killing federal employees, military men, and civilians. The chaos in downtown Oklahoma City did indeed resemble Beirut after what police believe to be a 1,200-pound car bomb ripped through the nine-story federal building shortly after 9 o'clock this morning. More than 500 people were already in their offices, and at least 50 children were in a daycare center on the second floor. Bombing in Oklahoma City was an attack on innocent children and defenseless citizens. It was an act of cowardice, and it was evil. The United States will not tolerate it, and I will not allow the people of this country to be intimidated. Two suspects now have been identified, known only as John Doe. They're both about 5'10 to 5'11, about 180 pounds, both with brown hair, one with a crew cut, the other with a tattoo. Those sketches were released as rescue workers worked their way through the wreckage of the Murrah Federal Building, looking for survivors among the close to 200 people believed to be still in that rubble. Authorities now believe the truck that bore the bomb was parked in a space alongside the Federal Building. A second vehicle may have been nearby to permit the bombers to escape. 
The FBI said today it was a huge explosion and that the explosive used was most likely a simple combination of fertilizer and fuel oil. The indictment charges that Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols, former Army buddies with a grudge against the government, planned the bombing, selected the Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City as their target, bought and stole materials for the bomb, and built it. McVeigh is specifically right. charged with having delivered the bomb to the Murrah Building in a truck that he rented under a false name and having detonated the bomb at the Murrah building. All right, so uh, 168 people killed, 19, chil- 19 children. Did that guy say there was a daycare center there? Well, McVeigh got his. He was put to death in June of 2001. I remember that day as well. I remember that. I think he was uh, uh, executed in Indiana at a federal facility. And, um, uh, well, too bad I missed it. I, uh, boy, that guy definitely deserved to die. Uh, hey, you know what happened on that day as well? I do remember this. It was a Camp Lejeune. And on that same day, Richard Luger, senator from Indiana, decided he was running for president. Richard Luger, that was a, he was the first one in, the first one officially in. And um, he was one of these goofy guys uh, who always was smiling uh, no matter what the hell was going on, right? Oh, and you know who else does that? Uh, he's also running for president, Asa Hutchinson. You see my report last night on Newsmax, Asa Hutchinson. Asa Hutchinson is running for president, and he's running around Iowa, and nobody cares. He goes to a restaurant. Uh, there was not one person there. At least go to a restaurant where there are people. Listen to this guy. Cut 19, please. Cut 19. Going to do this. Well, it's going to take a lot of shoe leather. We're going to have to be going to uh, small venues. We're going to be visiting with people about the issues. All right. Very good. Small venues. Yeah, that's the way it works typically, traditionally in uh, places like Iowa, New Hampshire. But you got to have people in those small venues. And then he goes to a restaurant. There's not one person there. I I just it's like he went to a steakhouse for breakfast. There was nobody there. Zero. He's talking a big game about uh, everything. Cut 20, please. Cut 20. Asa Hutchinson. Why does the party need to move on from Donald Trump? Because Donald Trump uh, has taken us back to uh, bitterness. He's taken us back to, uh, uh, you know, what's a, a personal vendetta. What What the hell is he talking Bitterness. What does that mean? Make America great again is not bitterness, okay? Maybe you're bitter. I think he's bitter. You know why? Because he's a career politician who never really made it big. And he never made it really big. He's been in politics for decades, decades. And like, why not me with that big, goofy smile? Well, n- number one, just watch this report. You can tell never, never, ever will he be. <laughs> He's going to quit very soon. You got to have some people show up and nobody is there. I think we have one more from this clown. Cut 21, please. What evidence or data have you seen that would suggest that you can win this nomination? <laughs> well, history. Uh, whenever you look at the history of front runners, it's not too good. I don't know. Uh, this is uh, we've never seen anything like Donald Trump. All right, if you're going to try to say he's the next Jeb Bush, right? Is that it? He's the next Jeb Bush because Jeb Bush was the favored guy, right? In 2015, 2016, Jeb exclamation point. Uh, by the way, Ron. What's the opposite of an explanation point? Uh, Ron. Period. R O N. Period. Ron DeSantis, man, talk about crash and burn. This guy, it's terrible. It's Look, I like Ron DeSantis, and he can be a president someday. He can be a good president someday. He's definitely not ready. 
Uh, they're giving him a hard time for this Disney feud. I totally support him. I think it's great. Build a prison right next to Disneyland. Why not? The kids aren't going to notice, though, by the way. Uh, but kids are going to notice uh, Pride Night, uh, LGBTQ plus Pride Night, that's coming to Disneyland in June. What the hell? Why is this being shoved down our throats, huh? What is the agenda? I think it's some sort of weirdo perverted agenda. I think some of these people get off on the idea of sexualizing kids. And Ron DeSantis has drawn a line in the sand. Good for him. But, but, I told you, he had a lot of things to work on. And one of the things he's got to work on are his political skills. Looks like he's pretty good at governing, uh, but the politics is part of this, pal. He went up to Washington, D.C. yesterday, and the big announcement was, well, he's going to unveil a lot of uh, endorsements. A lot of key members are going to come forward and endorse him. And all that, all that hype and that big trip to Washington, you know how many new endorsements he got? One, uno, one. And I saw on TV yesterday, they had like 75 for Trump and they got all together now four for DeSantis. This stuff matters. And it's not like he's an unknown guy. Oh, I put a little thing, Ron, period, Jeb, exclamation point, right? That's that's what's happening to Ron DeSantis. It's even worse. It's even more embarrassing almost than, than Jeb Bush, how he flamed out. Hmm? Oh, um. Do you know at this point that, um, well, actually, do we have the Mayorkas stuff ready? All right, so Mayorkas, this happens periodically. I got to admit, I missed it yesterday because, well, none of the news covered it. I had the big TVs on, and Mayorkas was getting his, you know what, handed to him by these heroes that we've got in the United States Senate. Mayorkas is the Department of Homeland Security secretary who is committed to ruining this country. I mean, he seems perfectly at peace that all of these people are coming into our country illegally. It's incredible. It is incredible what's happening. Uh, this man, the thing about it is it's not like Biden who's been duped and fooled, we think, we think, or who knows what was going on in Biden's head. He doesn't even know. But this guy seems to know that it's wrong, yet he's allowing it to happen. Why? A little bit of uh, Senator Johnson, I believe, right? Senator Johnson and uh, Secretary Mayorkas. Go ahead. But you are failing miserably. Four to five million people, 1.4 million unknown gotaways. We have no idea who those people are, what kind of security they risk. You're not giving me any stats whatsoever in terms of the number of people that are human trafficked, how many young girls are sex trafficked. You, you don't have a clue. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even answer how many dead bodies, which is very well documented, at the border. Do you not care? Do, do you not have just a, an ounce of human compassion for what your open border policy, the type of human depredations it is causing? You just sit there looking with a blank look on your face. <laughs> and you're saying it's a priority. If it's a priority, how did we let four to five million people in this country in, in a little more than two years, four to five million people, the population of 20 to th- almost 30 states, and you're saying this is a priority? Mr. Secretary, you ought to resign. Senator Johnson, Secretary, sorry, I'd like you to respond to. Well, I have a number of uh, responses. Um, the senator mischaracterizes our policies with respect to the security of the southern What's border. that buzz in the background? Uh, the senator, of course, Stop. It came in. It, it happened down there in Washington. It's not our buzz. It's not our buzz. Anyway, he's a little mousy guy, and uh, he mischaracterized this. He mischaracterized that. Uh, hello, I can see it. 
in front of our faces, right? We can see what's happening. We don't have a country anymore. And this is impeachable conduct. This is definitely, absolutely impeachable in conduct uh, for this guy and for Joe Biden. It says in the Constitution that you're supposed to protect the states from foreign invasion. And that is what this is most definitely. Um, how is our race war coming along? Man, did you see that video of that poor young woman being beaten to a pulp in the middle of that mob in Chicago? Did you see that yet? It's Totally infuriating, frightening, weird, crazy, and not much of a story somehow. Now, why is that? I think any human being in the middle of a bunch of crazy kids at a nationally publicized crime, that's newsworthy. But somehow she's being overlooked. Now, I that's a real head scratcher, right? You know, so I was like, oh, what, what's going on here? And I noodled, noodled over it, right? And then, ah, it just hit me. Took a while, but it hit me. She's white and the assailants are black. Yes. Since what you see where we're going with this, they don't care. They don't want to care. They can't care. Right. Puts the news organizations in a in an awkward position somehow. I don't know why that's it would be considered awkward. I got to tell you, if there was a black woman being beaten up by a bunch of uh, white people, that would be absolutely just as distressing. Right. Absolutely. Why not? Why not in this scenario? Hmm. It's almost like the expectations of the fake news are somehow lower. The tolerance for criminal behavior is somehow greater. Is that is that what's going on? I think it is. And, you know, I could actually make the case that that's a form of racism. Yeah, that seems a lot like racism. But the fake news is full of racists. Absolutely. And they want a race war. Listen to how they stir the pot. You heard about this thing in Kansas City, that poor kid? Shot by the old man. You heard about that, right? People get shot all the time in horrible, horrible uh, circumstances. Look at Baltimore any given weekday, weekend. Look at Baltimore. But what do we have here? You know, Tom Wolfe talked about the great white defendant. The great white defendant. Wow, that's true. That just hit me. Tom Wolfe, Bonfire of the Vanities. That's what they're looking for. The great white defendant. You don't have a case worthy of worthy of the fake news attention, fake news's attention, if you don't have a white person involved somehow. Cut 11, please. Cut 11. Breaking news in Kansas City. A homeowner charged with two felony counts after he shot a black teenager who rang his doorbell mistakenly. Authorities in Kansas City speaking just moments ago after the shooting of a 16-year-old black teen who rang the doorbell at the wrong home. Out of Kansas City, Missouri, where the county prosecutor has charged an 85-year-old white man for shooting a black teenager twice. Oh, there you go. Right, the white defendant, you see? Lead the news, top of the news, stir the pot, get him out into the streets, get him watching television, huh? You dirty dogs. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, national brands for less money. Isn't that a great thing, right? Uh, big box stores. Hey, you may not like them. I know they interfere with uh, mom and pop shops, but uh, competition rules and uh, Walmart. Costco, they uh, they deliver a lot of stuff for not much money. Walmart is leaving Chicago. Imagine that, huh? Walmart. After all the looting and shoplifting, they don't want to stay? No, they don't. They just closed their last location in Chicago. Um, and who can blame them? Uh, and the community, what does the community have now? What? Hmm? 
How about that? Boy, oh boy. Chicago and, and so many other communities, so many other cities, small towns and and uh, groups in America have been misled by the far left, right? This is a direct result of that, uh, the march for racial justice, right? The march for race and the conviction that somehow America is a fundamentally white supremacist place. It is not. That is a, a fairy tale, um, but it shows no sign of going away whatsoever. None. It's uh, it's here to stay. It's really, it's really terrible. Um, you and I can talk about the truth, but I don't think it's ever going to penetrate. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, and who's leading the charge? Uh, Joe Biden again. This is. Uh, you heard about that kid who was shot and killed uh, at the at the wrong man's house, right? The, he went to the wrong house. He got a call from Joe Biden. If, I, I'm sorry, the kid wasn't killed. He was. Thank God, he's alive. And he never should have been shot. This is a totally, it looks unjustified, totally. I mean, this is a terrible, terrible situation. But terrible situations happen every day. What makes this de- this one different? What makes it politically worthy? Great white defendant, Joe Biden calls. Hey, have any of the Covenant kids, uh, the, their families been called? This question was put to that incompetent press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Oh, I'm sad to say, well... Uh, she's in over her head. She never should have been promoted for this. You know, she's from Long Island. She actually grew up in Hempstead. Sure, she's a nice person, but man, she can't cut it at that podium. Anyway, Joe Biden has no interest in those uh, Covenant kids. May I hear that, please? Corinne Jean-Pierre, go for it. I know we got the music. So we Monday, can... you're going to have three of the lawmakers who protested. Peace- after... Peacefully protested. Who peacefully protested after the Nashville Covenant school shooting. Have any of the victims or the victims' families been invited to the White House? I don't have anything to, to read out to you about any invite. Why? I just don't have anything at this time to read out to you at any invite. What I can say to you right now is that the president is focused on getting things done. Duh! So Monday, you're going to have three. Give it up. Give it up. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, what is this uh, thing? I'm looking at somebody put a big picture up of uh, it looks like a dead possum. Why is this on the TV screen in here? What is that? It's a great big furry uh, blob. Uh, It's kittens. Okay, no, I'm sorry. It's kittens suckling on a mother cat. Why is this here? Oh, Curtis, Curtis and the cats. What is it up? What's up with him and the cats? Seriously, what does he get a dog? A dog is far more mayoral, in my opinion. I like cats too, but Curtis, uh, if you run again, uh, boy, wouldn't that be interesting if I had a run against Curtis? Oh boy, that could be a little bit tense around the office, but I'm sure we'd have a good time. Um, no, look, I like cats. I'm actually, I have no problem with cats, although they are kind of moody and aloof and they don't do tricks and. Uh, they're very independent and uh, they're not very affectionate. But other than that, they're great cats. Uh, they're great pets. I prefer dogs. No problem there. Hey, Alan Weisselberg just got out of uh, Rikers Island. Alan Weisselberg, remember he's the, um, I guess he was like, wasn't he the chief financial officer for uh, the Trump organization? Yeah. And what they did to this man, what they did to him. Those bastards down there, Mark Pomerantz and his friends trying to trying to intimidate him. And you don't go after somebody. You don't try to intimidate somebody over little trifling things like this. This is these are civil matters, not criminal matters. This is, oh, you owe back taxes on this company car, not we're gonna lock you up uh because you didn't pay taxes on the company car. And this is how they operated. 
Listen to this. This is in his own words. Mark Pomerantz, dirty, mean lawyer who volunteered his time because he hated Trump so much to hang around the district attorney's office to get Trump. Let's see here. Based on what Jennifer had said and knowing what we needed to learn more about Weisselberg before pressing him to cooperate, Carrie and I told the investigative team, Carrie is another uh, dickweed lawyer, excuse me, but that's the way I feel. Carrie and I told the investigative team in February of 2021 that we needed to focus on Weisselberg. We needed to go back to Cohen and interview him about Weisselberg, re-interviewing Jennifer Weisselberg, round up any public information about Alan Weisselberg, and go do a deep dive into his personal finances to learn how he was compensated and how he spent his money. What was the, what do they call it down there? What was the predicate for all of this? I don't think they had one other than they hated Trump. Oh, this is where it gets, I think. This is, and I can't believe the arrogance of this person. I'll put this in a book. Ready? Uh, So we discussed calling Weiselberg's lawyer to fire a warning shot over his bow. We could say that we might be coming after Weiselberg without specifying what we had on him, which was very little at that point, in the hope that he would get scared and fall into our laps as a witness. Wow, law enforcement, huh? Isn't there enough real stuff going on for you guys to focus on? Scaring innocent people into cooperating in your vendetta against Trump. You, it is really disgusting, isn't it? Isn't it? All right. What was the other thing I wanted to do? Let's take a quick timeout. Max in Manhattan. Yes. Yo, are you on? Hello. Hmm. What the hell's he doing? Sandra in New Jersey. Hello. Hey, Greg. How you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking about Curtis Lee and you running together. I thought that it would be a little tense, but maybe not. But anyway, I wanted to ask, tell you, you were a Marine. And you probably think about this a lot. Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company accounts for 50% of the world's chip production. Mm. So China has the air and naval maneuvers for many years. Now it's increased a lot. And Russia having missile tests and drills. And then in the past, they had that Russia Vostok 2018. That's like an example of where the troops and the aircraft do these military exercises. So my question is, with the weak administration internationally, like Macron getting invited to tea with China and causing our allies to be divided, I'm concerned that they're going to end up owning the chips around the world. And if they control the chips, then they control the world. Well, the whole world, everyone's worried about exactly what you're worried about. And that could happen. And I didn't realize, although I heard it once, you remind me that, yeah, Taiwan has half the chips, half the computer chips come from Taiwan. That is, uh, that's pretty amazing. And the way they're going about it, there are some who believe that China could take over Taiwan without even firing a shot. We're in big trouble right now. We are in big, big trouble. We don't even have the ammo. We don't even have the ammo, enough ammunition to defend Taiwan if we were, if we decided to do that. Right now, I don't think we're formally committed to do that, but, oh, man, yeah, that's worrisome. Anyway, wow, you really are quite the, uh, gosh, you're so well-read, and, you know, you know about, and you delve into areas where you don't have necessarily, you know, a lot of background, but then you get up to speed on it really quick, you know, the military stuff. Good for you, Sandra. What else is going on? Well, I think that's about it today. <laughs> you know, you know I, I, I'll tell you something else that disturbed me. 
You know how you drive your car and sometimes you go into someone's driveway, you make a mistake and you quickly pull out? Yeah. Oh, my God. This young couple, the, the, the girlfriend is shot in the head by this crazy man because they accidentally drove in his driveway. Yeah. Now, that, that, that oh, my God, that I, can happen to me, to anyone. And nobody should be shot for it, right? And as well as that teenager, uh, we don't have all the facts yet in either of these cases, but it looks very, very bad. But one has captured the imagination of the media and is part of a major campaign. And the other one is just, hmm, that happened in upstate New York. How peculiar. Interesting. I wonder why. I wonder why. Thank you very much, Sandra. Hey, you heard about that parking garage downtown collapsed uh, yesterday afternoon, killing one person, injuring five others. It's on Ann Street. Did you know that New York had an Ann Street? 57 Ann Street. I know Nassau Street. I know William Street. Don't really know Ann Street. There are so many streets down there that you don't know. Have you ever heard of Attorney Street? There's an Attorney Street in in Lower Manhattan. Anyway, um, there are uh, cars pancaked uh, on top of each other. I must admit, I don't remember a building just collapsing. I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't think a building collapsed in New York on its own. Crane collapses. They happen a lot, right? Crane collapsing. Yes, we got those all the time. But a building flat out collapsing, and I looked it up. So who's the buildings commissioner? Hmm? Eric Adams is in charge of appointing a buildings commissioner, and you got to have one of those things, and they should be politically appointed. It means they're responsive to the people. So I looked it up, and, of course, Eric Adams's first buildings commissioner had to resign for uh, personal reasons, and, uh, well, that's unfortunate. So who's the buildings commissioner now? Um, nobody. <laughs> they don't have one. Uh, they have an acting buildings commissioner. Uh, let's see. Villain Chick is his name. And he comes from, ooh, ooh, Belarus, where he actually, he became an adult in Belarus. It's fine to come from Belarus, but did he learn about inspections and and government in Belarus? Because things aren't exactly well organized in Belarus. So uh, I wonder, what a shame. All right, now Matt Max is back. Yes, Max, what's up? Greg, thank you. Greg, thank you for taking my call. Um, you were talking about the... Biggest thing, one of the big things in the news is the uh, Dominion voting. Yeah, I don't and, talk uh, about that because, as you may know, uh, uh, I think I think actually uh, Newsmax is uh, facing a lawsuit. So it's pending litigation. I really don't talk about it um, for obvious reasons. Anything else on your mind? Uh, so you rather I might not mention it? Then? I mean, you already did. I'm telling you, I'm not talking about it. I can't for you know obvious reasons. And um, so, what else is going on? Well, I think we should still keep in mind the bill S. 686 where your computer and phone can be shut off. Yeah, I looked that up like you told me to like I you know we did that together and I don't see what you say is in this legislation. Uh we we read it together and I and you had not read it at that point. So you say it's 686S and it seemed a little bit convoluted and possibly unnecessary but I did not see what you said and that they can just turn off our appliances uh, somehow. I don't see that in the legislation. If you want to call back, if you want to cite it, you know, paragraph, verse, all that stuff. Um, uh, but I don't see it. I couldn't find it. Okie dokie. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what the hell else? Um, yeah, we need a uh, buildings commissioner. You got to have somebody to check on this stuff. Buildings are not supposed to fall down. Trains are not supposed to come flying off the tracks, right? Man, our government is so bad. Hey, you know who's back? Fetterman. Uh, Senator Fetterman.
how in the hell did this guy beat Dr. Oz? Dr. Oz, world-class physician, so talented, amazing guy, and Fetterman beat him. Fetterman. Did you see him go into the Senate the other day? Uh, It looked like he was showing up late for gym class. It was so pathetic. And I'm sorry, now that he's at work, it's even worse. You got this thing? Okay, this is his opening statement on some committee he he works on. Uh, He actually chairs this committee? Go ahead, please. Let's hear it. I called to this hearing of the U.S. Senate subcommittee and food and nutrition, specialty crops, organics, and research to order. Chairwoman Stevenow and Ranking Member Boozman, thank you so much for coming. I thank you for your leadership on this committee, and I look forward to working with you to pass a farm bill. A farm bill that works for small farmers, rural communities, and hungry Americans. I would also like to thank my ranking member, Senator Braun. I look forward to working closely with you. SNAP is one of the most effective programs to fight hunger and poverty in the country. In my time and effort in IFAS, as the mayor of Braddock to lieutenant governor to now, I have heard from Pennsylvanians about their support for a SNAP. Hunger is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. It's all of our issue that we have to take it on. All right. You get the picture, right? This guy is not uh, fit for office. Absolutely not. I'm sorry he had that stroke. I'm sorry he has depression. I'm sorry about all that stuff. Uh, But this this is bad for him, bad for everybody. You can't have this. I care for the guy, quite frankly, and he needs he needs long term help. He doesn't know what he's doing, you know. I I I I call the committee to order. I, he just is going. No, that's that's bad. Who was the senator he was um, acknowledging? I don't know if a senator. Who was that senator? Stabenow, Boozman. I know them. Then he said Senator Ron. Which one is that? There may be one, but anyway, that was that's bad. And I think we all deserve better. You know what we really deserve? Dr. Oz. You know, Dr. Oz. Heck, I'd even take Kathy Barnett over uh, John Fetterman. Wouldn't you? Uh, All right. Let's just see. Eric, I'm going to skip Eric Adams for now. Boy, that guy. That guy. Did he show up? Did he show up for the press conference after the building came down? Did he put on his emergency coat? I know he loves doing that. You hear this? He's, He's as bad as Fetterman. Cut 29, please. Cut 29. I've stated this from day one, even when I was on the campaign trail, I'm a computer geek. And I believe that technology is here. Uh, We cannot be afraid of it. And as the commissioner stated, uh, transparency is the key. Sorry, does he think it's 1987 and we're all apprehensive about computers? He's telling us to relax about computers. We're beyond that, right? Transparency. What? This is so rudimentary, elementary. Ooh, uh, what else, what else, what else? said something else that got my attention. Keep going. And as the commissioner stated, uh, transparency is the key. And the two pilots that we are rolling out today to see how they fit in our public safety Stop. environment. This is, this is gibberish, you know, pilot program, transparency, right? <laughs> this is just, uh, it sounds like what, 
public officials are supposed to say. That's it. That's it. Uh, let's see. Uh, is there? Uh, keep going with this. Let's wrap it up, though. Is a match with the Digi Dog, a what? robotic dog that could be used to save lives. Yeah, I've seen the robotic dog. Okay, it it can. Um, it serves as an excuse to have a press conference. That's it. Okay, <laughs> that, that that robotic dog. We're not there yet on the robotic dogs. And we're not there yet on the gigantic Weeble Wobble. You remember Weebles? Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. You remember those? And they all lived in a tree. It was a toy back in the 1970s and 80s. And uh, some kids were into them. I personally was into Star Star Wars action figures and Planet of the Apes action figures, not Weebles Wobbles. But that's what these things look like, giant Weebles and Wobbles. And they have a camera on them and they can't do anything else. Although... Knowing Eric Adams, I'm sure a friend and associate is making a lot of money on this and will be showing their gratitude to Eric potentially in a very big and profitable way. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, we uh, talked about how on this day in American history in 1995, we had the Oklahoma City bombing also right around now. Actually, 30 years ago, um, we had the uh, the Waco, the Waco Branch Davidian fiasco. Remember that? What was his name? David Koresh. And he was in the compound for like six weeks uh, with all those people. He was like some sort of cult leader, right? And... Um, and, well, they went in there and a lot of people died. I think dozens, dozens of people died. Uh, now, they let the kids go. Here's a media report. This happened actually. Is it 30? It's 30 years ago today. This is the this is from the day after April 20th. But it happened. Wow. This is a, one of those creepy anniversaries. A lot of bad things happened on April 19th. Let's get through this day with no big incidents. OK, cut nine, please. Cut nine. The flames may be out, but a firestorm of controversy rages on after the assault on the Branch Davidian compound. Officials are starting to look for answers after doomsday in Waco. This morning, investigators began sifting through the embers of the Waco compound, searching for the bodies of more than 80 cult members believed killed in the fire. In Washington, President Clinton says he gives his full support to the decisions made by the Attorney General and the FBI to end the siege. More than 80 people are believed to have died in yesterday's fiery conclusion to the 51-day siege, 24 of them children. Today, the FBI said it's not responsible for the deaths. Those children are dead because David Koresh had them killed. There's no question about that. He had those fires started. He had 51 days to release those children. He chose those children to die. We didn't have anything to do with their deaths. Well, um... The responsibility is primarily, yeah, with David Koresh, but the FBI totally screwed that thing up. Totally. Absolutely. And now it's all coming back to me. Uh, William Sessions was the FBI director, and Ray Kelly was the police commissioner in New York City. And it wasn't every day, but it did happen where Ray Kelly would meet with the FBI director, and uh, I actually remember this. I hope he doesn't mind me talking about it. I think it might have been in my dad's memoir, but... um, the FBI director asked my father, what do you think about this situation in Waco? And I remember this vividly because it happened definitely before the siege, before, before anything happened. He said, whatever you do, I wouldn't go in there. <laughs> and Sessions, his eyes, they, they, they go wide open. Wait it out. Just wait it out. Why go in? Just wait it out. Sooner or later, they're going to have to come out. Wait it out. 
Instead, what did the FBI do? They drive in there with a freaking tank. In the middle of the day, oh, by the way, you know, there are ways to do this. There are ways to handle these things, okay? You go in at 4.30 in the morning, you sneak in, you know, that kind of thing. But no, tank at, at lunchtime, boom. Uh, what a what a fiasco. David, I, gotta, that, I remember I was in flight school at the time. I was in Pensacola, Florida, watching it on the news. And what's her name? Uh, Janet Reno was the attorney general. You know, these people, oh, by the way, were like responsible public servants compared to the people we have now. Absolutely. And Bill Clinton, you know, say what you will about Bill and all of his, you know, stuff. And uh, he was not crazy. He was not a crazy liberal. By today's standards, he was almost a Republican. All right. I got to take a quick break in a moment. Bill, before I go. Hello, Bill. What's up? Uh, What happened? Bill, 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 Bill. Well, never mind then. Maria in Short Hills. Hello. Hi, Greg. At the top of your show, you mentioned that today was the 28th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah. Just uh, just quickly, uh, you also played some clips for how the journalist described Timothy McVeigh, the bomber. Mm. Notice the difference between 1995 and today. In 1995, they described his height, the color of his hair, that he was in the Army. The first two words today out of their mouths would be what? White male. Because everything on the left sadly, is about race. So that you're saying their description was about everything other than race, right? Yes, I didn't hear. I didn't hear them say white. But today, you know, they would say white male. Timothy McVeigh, they'd probably give his age, and then they, they would describe him as a white male. Everything is about race. Yeah. Just like this Kansas City incident. If the 85-year-old man who shot this 16-year-old young man was black, if it was a black-on-black shooting, it would be a non-issue. And it's sad. And it's sad. And, it's, you know, like all of these all of these killings are issues, but it's, it's amazing that they don't care. They only care when there's a, well, when there's a white person involved somehow. And the word, do you ever hear how they say white? White male. White. White. They say it with edge. Like it's something you should be ashamed of. And as I've said before, I'm not proud of being white. Uh, I was born that way. I'm not, you know what I mean? I have no, 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 but I'm not ashamed of it either. Stop, and too many people are feeling shame for things they can't control. I can't control I'm white. I know some people can't control that they're gay. You know, just uh, don't be ashamed of it, but don't be proud of it either. Too much, too much, too much pride and too much shame or sometimes not enough shame. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, a spy is a spy, right? A spy is a spy. Uh, somebody who gives up our national secrets should be prosecuted. And uh, that goes for that Teixeira kid. I know some people are rooting for him. 21-year-old Air National Guardsman put up a bunch of secret documents, uh, shared it with his friends. Uh, you can't do that. I don't care what his motivation was. Uh, now, at least he did not give him to the Russians. OK, I will say that he didn't give him to the Russians and he thought he was just kind of sharing him with uh, his friends. He did not intend for them to become public, 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 but they kind of did become public. Anyway, he's in a lot of trouble and I'm all for that. You got to be charged. Now, somebody else actually did a hell of a lot more damage than uh, Jeff Teixeira. And he is a name that the liberals still love and revere. Daniel Ellsberg. Does that name ring a bell? Daniel Ellsberg. He leaked the Pentagon Papers. He was a protege of Henry Kissinger, 
like 60 years ago. And uh, a big brainiac, he worked for this corporation, that corporation, this think tank. He was at the Pentagon for a while. And um, I think he was a hater of America, definitely a hater of Richard Nixon. And he was arrested and charged with espionage. But you know what? You know what? He leaked on in the Republican administration. So everybody forgave him. Oh, that's okay. You're going after conservatives. Oh, that's great. Yes, no charges, no charges. The swamp actually defended him, rallied around him. Keep in mind, this guy gave away tens of thousands of secret documents to the world. He didn't just share them with a couple of uh, egghead friends. He shared them with the New York Times. And guess who reads the New York Times? Uh, The Soviet Union at the time, right? They were reading it as well. So he shared secrets with the enemy. Daniel Ellsberg, and he went, he's still alive. He's like 100 now, and he was on MSNBC yesterday. Listen to the reverence, affection, adoration that comes from Andrea Mitchell. Uh, she has a soft spot for a 100-year-old, so by the way. Uh, cut 26, please. Cut 26. And traitors. Cut 26. The man who made history by leaking the Pentagon Papers, Daniel Ellsberg, recently announced he has been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Daniel Ellsberg, who is now 92 years old, copied the military's secret 7,000-page history of the Vietnam War and leaked the documents to the New York Times and then to the Washington Post. And somehow this is beautiful, right? You can tell this is a this is a big, fat, wet kiss for uh, Daniel Ellsberg. She loves the guy. And oh, by the way, I'm sorry he's got cancer, but, you know, he's 92, okay? I mean, big, long life. So, uh, but this, I guess, is his farewell interview. Farewell, wet kiss. Was there something going on between Andrea Mitchell and uh, Daniel Ellsberg? Kind of. That's the vibe I was picking up. Definitely. Definitely. They definitely hooked up. Definitely. Without a doubt, actually. Without a doubt. There was something uh, going on between these two. And uh, they kept in touch after all that time. And uh, anyway, uh, here's a little bit more. Cut. Hey, you know who's the villain in this? Guess who's the villain? Richard Nixon. Why? Because he's uh, Richard Nixon. Because he sounds like this. I mean, the man was trying to protect the country, keep our secrets intact. We're supposed to do that. We were supposed to do that. It's amazing how they make the good guy look like the bad guy here. Cut 27. So in June of 1971, President Nixon had discussed Daniel Ellsberg with his attorney general, John Mitchell. Here is part of the conversation from the Nixon tapes. They named Balls Ellsberg. We got to get this son of a bitch. And, uh... And, you know, I was talking to somebody over here yesterday, I mean, one of our the, uh, PR types, and they're saying, well, maybe we ought to drop the case that the Supreme Court doesn't just sustain and so forth. And I said, hell no. I mean, you can't do that. Uh, you can't be in a position of having, uh, as I said here this morning, we can't be in a position of, uh, of, of ever uh, allowing just because some guy's going to be a martyr uh, of allowing the fellow to get away with this kind of wholesale thievery, or otherwise it's going to happen all over the government. Don't you agree? Ellsberg faced numerous charges, including violating the 1917 Espionage Act, but those charges were dismissed in 1973 because of government misconduct, including breaking into his doctor's office to try and get other information on him. I spoke with Daniel Ellsberg just yesterday. Mm, And they have a nice little cozy conversation. Now, granted, they never should have uh, broken into uh, his psychiatrist's office. This was, but this was done, I think, out of frustration. You know, I've been actually looking at Watergate all over again. Poor Nixon. Poor Nixon. You know what he was trying to do? You know what those people around him were trying to do? Do the work of the fake news. 
Fake news that they were protecting Democrats. They were protecting liberals. They were never going to you know, try to get, well, opposition info, dirt on. Uh, they're supposed to be doing that. It's supposed to be an adversarial press. And nobody would, nobody would do that. So they had to do it themselves. Unfortunately, they were inept. Yes, they did break certain laws. And uh, it was such a mess. But I kind of understand where it came from, all right? This, this urge to uh, protect the country because there were bombs going off all over the place. And it looked like society was teetering on the verge of uh, destruction. And uh, then this guy, after all these years, Ellsberg, meeting up with his ex-girlfriend, Andrea Mitchell. I mean, she almost loses it here. Uh, This is when they say goodbye. Uh, Cut 28. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with us today. Daniel Ellsberg, still still fighting the good fight for peace in the world. Oh, screw you. Give me a break. Fighting the good fight for peace in the world. So the swamp loves it when confidential classified secret information is leaked to damage a Republican. It's almost as simple as that, right? That was the most beautiful leak in the world. But a leak with this Teixeira guy that may look Joe Biden look bad. That is a threat to democracy and all that stuff, huh? Isn't that fascinating? Hey, you have this uh, Trump impersonator ready? So there's this guy named Matt Friend. Uh, I have a feeling... Look, he does an amazing impersonation. There's just no – listen to his voice. There are some great impersonators out there, but this might be the guy who just nails nails it the most, nails it the most accurately. You ready? Matt Friend is his name. He's a comedian, and he's making the rounds. He's very talented. He's like Rich Little, you know, the man of a thousand voices, 250 voices. How many voices does he do? Uh, let's hear a little bit of this. Go with the first clip, please. Buddy, there's only one guy. Oh, stop, 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 stop. I got to set it up. I'm sorry. This is where he he's, has his arm around Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin is right next to him, okay? So remember Alec Baldwin on Saturday Night Live? Okay, now we can do it. Buddy, there's only one guy that has the most mediocre impression of me. He fails like a dog. You know who I'm talking about, right? Who is it? You know, Donald, we could have been great friends. Why do you if say you, that? If you had just changed your course one degree. I think you're a all dog. All you needed was a slight change. Alec, you were so mean to me on the show. The way you portrayed me, it was so unfair. And Stormy Daniels knows it. I Alec Baldwin. Well, Alec, let me tell you, the way you look at me, it makes me sick. And you're a nasty guy. And you should be ashamed of that. Well, what do you say to that? I say, uh, you came, you left. I doubt you're ever coming back. God bless him. China. Thank you very much. Well, every- All right. So uh, I wonder if that got under Alex's skin a little bit because everybody knows that Alec Baldwin, it's a very mediocre impression. I mean, it's not even it's it's totally it's just wrong on so many levels. And that guy actually said it. It may have been in the voice of Trump and they may have been chummy. All right. There's a little bit more. Then he he's on the MSNBC, one of the fake news shows over there. And actually, he calls it fake news right to their face. Again, I wonder if this gets under their skin a little bit. Uh, go ahead. Very special interview, an exclusive interview with That's the one and only. Look at him smiling. With the one and only Donald Trump, the That's former okay. president of the United States. What's he going to ask? The fake news. What's he going to ask? Okay, well, uh, Mr. President, former president, your biggest challenger, Ron DeSantis, right. looks like he's eating into your lead. Well, well, it's totally unfair. The question you see, Meatball Ron, who's already failing in Florida, he's taking credit for all the beautiful things we did, and you're not going to report that. He never reports. Nobody gives me the credit. But Ron is failing, and he's going to go back, and we're going to do to him what we did to Jeb and all the other people that try. I'm your warrior. I'm your fighter. 
All right, hold on, Mr. Trump, hold on. I'm getting a call right now, and it seems like Ron DeSantis is calling into this program. Sure, yeah. We're going to join, he's going to join us now. Okay. Uh, Ron DeSantis, what do you have to say about what President Trump just said about you? So I think we just need to chill, okay, with the whole 2024 rhetoric. We just had the race in Florida. We're looking at, you know, education, not indoctrination. I'm focused on not mutilating my kids, okay? We're focused on ignoring these crazy liberal policies. Disney's gay. Thank you very much. Got a very <laughs> it's good stuff. This is great. This is amazing, actually. And those little things he does with the voice. Totally unfair. The question I just now he does one more. This is uh, uh, this is backstage with Ari Melber. You ever see that guy on the six o'clock news on MSNBC? He's actually uh, a pretty sharp guy. Totally left. But uh, this is this is good, too. Go ahead. Well, that's great. What's the question, honey? What's the question? He's such a dog. Go ahead. I guess the question is... That's great. If you're going to pardon all the insurrectionists... Look at his face. He's so <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> Why don't you admit that this was something you caused and supported? You well, seem to be well, almost... Well, excuse, excuse me. Excuse me. Why don't you admit that what you're doing here at this network, it's all fake news? Okay, you're not delivering the facts. And frankly, the insurrectionists were proud Americans. They are my special people. And China, Stormy Daniels. You look at what's happening with Russia and Putin and China and Xi Jinping. Sometimes it feels like you're just stringing words together. Excuse me. Thank you very much, China. (laughs) That's good. 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 I think my favorite thing in there, he actually calls the guy honey. What's your question, honey? I don't know. I've never actually heard him say that, but you can see him saying that. It very much honey. And these little, little detours he makes, it's fascinating to listen to. What's his name again? Matt Friend. This is in addition to, who's the other guy I like? Jason Scoop? Jason Scoop from the other day? There's some incredibly talented people. You know the you know the pandemic, a lot of good things came from the pandemic. A lot of horrible things obviously came from the pandemic. But people with the time on their hands and they got really good at making these videos and maybe working on their voice imitations and other stuff and playing instruments and people just went all in. And I think we're reaping some of the benefits. All right. So anything else? I heard that James Flippin just said that the there are too many vehicles on the top of that garage and that's why it caved. And the other thing is it was old. Now, I don't know if that's an excuse. I mean, there are a lot of old buildings in New York. There are... Um, there are a lot of buildings that I'm looking at a building right now. I can see it right now from this corner right here. That building is at least 120 years old. Do you know I have a special talent? Uh, I don't know if it's a talent. It's a skill. I can look at any building, literally any building, and tell you exactly how old it is. And almost without, I would say 98% of the time I get it. I get it right on the nose when it was constructed. It's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting. I don't know how the hell I just uh, I just, I can do that. And partly it is I was interested in when things were built, so I would Google it right away. And then after you do that enough times, you can just see. I can just look at a building and I can tell. Um, For instance, the building I'm sitting in right now is built in 1972. And I remember after a time, I like to guess and then look it up and confirm. And yes, 1972. And then I like to think, what was I doing? What was I was in fourth grade? I was in I was just a fourth grade kid and I was in nursery school, St. Mark's School and in Rockville Center and every this building, this window was here at that time. I find that so cool. Bill is back. Hi, Bill. Uh, hey, is that you, Greg? Yes. Oh, hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I I, I, I love your show, man. Uh, I, I'm a retired police captain, and I, I, 
I knew your father. Well, I didn't know him. I worked for him, basically. Great guy. Never heard of anybody speak a bad word about him. Let me get your book, because I, I just found out about that and everything. You know, and uh, I just wanted to tell you, when you yesterday I, I tried calling, uh, but I was picking up my granddaughter. You know how things are. But you, when you were speaking about that minister, I, I was touched because I, I said, there's a, there's a man, you, who has the nerve to, to speak about this on, on public radio, which is very rare unless you, you know, you listen to some special programs. And uh, I wanted to tell you, I, I got into the word when I was in the police department and uh, it saved my life, quite frankly. And, you know, I quoted scripture, there's no weapon form that can hurt you, things like that. I, I believe that because I've been shot at and the whole bit. But uh, I, uh, there's a, there was a, a, a book out called The Companion Bible by E.W. Bullinger. It's a research Bible. And it's, he, he was running around in the 1890s, Church of England. And um, well, with that, I got into concordances and the lexicons and critical Greek texts and it, it's wonderful stuff, and to hear you speak about it, and and uh, this fellow you, you spoke about must have been a wonderful guy, very inspirational. But I, wow. there was no, there were so many things on your show. I I I mean, I identified with. Yeah. I mean, uh, especially the the mayor of New York. He he was a captain when I was a captain. Well, nobody ever saw. Him. <laughs> yeah, right. You nobody know? ever saw that guy, right? He, hey, Bill, it's yeah, so kind he, of you. So kind of you to uh, share uh, the, your observations and kind words. Thank you. Yeah, you know, a few years ago, I never, ever, ever could have dreamt that I would be talking so openly about my faith. But once you, once you find out, once you find out the truth, I mean, how can you not talk about it? It's, uh, and I just, I, I, I love, uh, I, I love what it's given me, and I, I'm not forcing it on anybody. And the other thing, I'm very upfront about. I'm certainly not perfect. I make mistakes, made all kinds of mistakes, and it doesn't make you better than anybody, really. Uh, but it just makes everything better, everything easier. And uh, he wants to help God. The Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible, and uh, I'm, I'm so glad you're on that journey. Hey, can I ask you where did you work? I worked in a two eight, and I was a cop in a two eight in seventy two. Well, you and I, I was looking at buildings too, <laughs> and then I became a captain. I was actually at thirty six years old because I, I studied. I read scripture first, and then I studied. Yeah, and I believe it was the key. And uh, I made captain. I, 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 went, I was a cop for eleven years. Went, I made sergeant, lieutenant, right. and captain in six years. That's amazing, actually. A thirty six year old captain. I think you beat my dad by about three years. I, I kind of remember when he took the captain's test. I was in sixth grade. And it was a big deal. He made it in October of 1980. So he was 39 when he being made captain. I remember going to police headquarters and, and meeting the commissioner. It was such a cool thing. And then he would become the commissioner. Anyway, Bill, many, many thanks. Good stuff. Keep in touch. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, what are the cops called the 28th Precinct, the 28? Ever wonder about that? Uh, the 28, the 88, not the 88th, it's the 88. I think part of the reason is because clarity on the radio, you can hear 88 better than you can hear 88th. It's just, it's just clearer. You can, um, the 28, the 29 Precinct, the 29. Now, if you really want to be worried about how you sound on the radio and making sure people hear you, it's one of the reasons why in the military, I don't know if we do it as much as now as we used to, but you would say niner, niner, because nine could sound a lot like five in a radio transmission, niner. The other thing that people, I try to tell people all the time in the 
in this business, radio, TV. Um, if you say something on a microphone to somebody, they must acknowledge it. You have to acknowledge it. And when you are on the radio, you know, 10-4, that means I heard what you said. <laughs> I heard what you said, understood, 10-4. I'll say like, okay, we need this graphic right after the soundbite. Hello? <laughs> Did you hear that? Hello? And they come back, yeah, yeah, I I, I was just getting it. Okay, well, you got to say 10-4. People don't like saying 10-4 over and out. It sounds like you're playing walkie-talkie, you know what I mean, and you're four years old. But um, it works, it works. Anyway, not applicable for most conversations over the telephone, but definitely still for walkie-talkies, for those who have walkie-talkies. All right, give me a moment, please. Many thanks. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, all of human history may have been impacted by the events of the past um, two weeks. Ron DeSantis' campaign has uh, totally imploded. Now, oh, wait a second. He didn't even declare. He didn't declare for president. What are you? That's unfair. No, he's running. He's assembling a staff. Everybody knows. But this is the stuff. This is a very important time. Amateurs think about Election Day and getting people out to vote. There are a billion other things that go into uh, a successful campaign. Um, a billion things. Uh, one big one is fundraising and money and uh, relationships with donors. And Ron has been failing at that big time for reasons I don't entirely understand. I hear he's a bit of a uh, an arrogant guy who is not approachable and uh, thinks he's above it all and, and that kind of thing. And donors, they want to be stroked a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. He won't do any of that. Uh, who knows what other mistakes he's making behind the scenes. But he is he's all he's just about done. I'm sorry. Um, everybody knows it. Uh, and it's interesting that even though the, no voters have weighed in, it really is only up to about four or 500 people at this stage of the game. Four or 500 people can basically determine who the president is. Now, there are exceptions because those 500 people, I'm talking about key people in the media, key donors, key operatives out there, political operatives, they have a, a tremendous influence and all of those people were against Donald Trump in 2016. And uh, look who won, right? Um, but now, uh, for conventional candidates and Ron DeSantis, while an extraordinary guy, and he could be president someday, he's got a lot of work to do, 2036, 2040, something like that maybe, but not 2024. Have you seen or heard some of the ads? Uh, they're they're flying all over the place, these Big PACs, political action committees, they're not with the campaign. Like, so they can, this is not necessarily from Donald Trump, but it's from those who like Donald Trump. And uh, it's probably from Donald Trump. Anyway, listen to this one about Ron DeSantis. Cut 17, please. Cut 17. Before we start it, apparently Ron DeSantis was observed at some point eating Jello pudding with his fingers. Uh, is that a big deal? <laughs> Having done that a few times myself, but anyway, the, the visuals are pretty gross um, when you see the ad, but it sounds pretty, uh, pretty intense. Cut 17. Ron DeSantis loves sticking his fingers where they don't belong. And we're not just talking about pudding. DeSantis has his dirty fingers all over senior entitlements, like cutting Medicare, slashing Social Security, even raising our retirement age. Tell Ron DeSantis to keep his pudding fingers off our money. Oh, and somebody get this man a spoon. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Make America Great Again is the ass talker at the end. Um, I think those ads actually don't work. I have not seen a political commercial ever that has changed my mind. 
because they're very campy, they're too short, and they're overly dramatic. I mean, listen to this one. Uh, This is an anti-Trump ad put out by the DeSantis people. Cut 18, please. Donald Trump is being attacked by a Democrat prosecutor in New York. So why is he spending millions attacking the Republican governor of Florida? Trump's stealing pages from the Biden-Pelosi playbook, repeating lies about Social Security. Here's the truth from Governor Ron DeSantis. We're not going to mess with Social Security as Republicans. What did Trump say? Entitlements ever be on your plane? At some point they will be. We will take a look at that. Trump should fight Democrats, not lie about Governor DeSantis. What happened to Donald Trump? Never back down. He's responsible for the contents of this ad. Never. Who the hell's responsible for it? Um, First of all, we know when comments are taken out of context. And if it's a 30-second campaign ad, you're going to take stuff out of context, all right? We know that. And I think the rallies are what really changed my mind back in 2016, listening to the speeches. You know, Americans, um, we actually have an attention span, you know? You, we've outgrown those cheap, cheesy political ads, don't you think? I don't think they help anymore. I don't think they make up anybody's mind. And, oh, by the way, most of the stuff is not about persuading independence, very little. Oh, we got to get the swing voter, the swing voter. There are like two swing voters left. It's all about getting out your supporters, getting them up, getting them out. Um, I think that's what I've been told. Who knows? All right. What is the other matter we wanted to touch on? Uh, Secretary of Education Cardona. Cardona. Is that his name? Miguel Cardona. Refusing to answer the question, what is a woman? Now, suddenly this has become a hot button, thorny issue. What is a woman? Should be pretty explainable. It's relevant, Mo, by the way. It's not a stunt question. It's not a stunt question. It's uh, it's germane as we figure out who's going to go to what bathroom. <laughs> Should be boys in the boys' room, girls in the girls' room, right? Not according to the Biden administration. That's why this guy is so cagey when he's asked this question. Miguel Cardona, Secretary of Education. What the hell do we need with an education department anyway? Cut 22. Can you please tell me or can you please define for me what is a woman? Uh Our focus at the department is to provide equal access to students, including students who are uh, LGBTQ, access free from discrimination. Is that so what's the what's the definition of a woman? You haven't given me that. You haven't answered my question. I think that's almost secondary to the important role that I have as secretary of education. My question is not secondary. My question is very simple. What is the what does HHS say the definition of a woman is? Uh, I lead the Department of Education, and my job is to make sure that all students have access to public education, which includes co-curricular activities. And I think you highlighted pretty well the importance of Title IX and giving students equal access, whether it's scholarship and facilities. Okay, so you're not going to answer my question. Well. Yeah, that's uh, that's not a tough one. And the other guy couldn't answer what an assault weapon is. You know, one of the reasons why the schools have gone so crazy woke. And I would like to talk to actually some school age kids. You know, my child is uh, my oldest is three so they're in nursery school and i can't really get a good sense of what's going on there although i do talk to the teachers and i think she's in a very fine program and they're not crazy woke but there are some really crazy woke programs out there even in the public school and why is that how did that happen well a big driver of this stuff quite frankly sorry to say not all but a lot a lot absolutely the teachers and a lot of them are women white women and uh, that's fine. I, As you know, I don't judge anybody. I mean, what the hell? It doesn't make any difference. But, you know, they bullied the white women. They bullied them. The woke mob bullied white women, punished them. Why? Because 
A majority of them voted for Donald Trump in 2016, and then they came after them with a ferocity that so ugly, so unfair, so mean. Do you remember the, what do they call her, the St. Louis Karen? This poor woman. I wonder where she is now. Um, walking her dog. She lives in, a, in, a, in an apartment complex. If you ever lived in an apartment complex or a condominium, you know, you go in the lobby. Not every one of those places have a doorman. Some do, some don't, especially outside of New York. You know, you need a key to get into the main door or a key fob. And it says usually in the instructions when you sign your lease or whatever that you're not supposed to let people in that you don't know, right? Your guests or that kind of thing or neighbors that you know. But if it's some stranger in the vestibule, they don't get to come in. Well, this poor woman who happens to be white with blonde hair with a little dog, you know, one of those Paris Hilton purse dogs, people ready to not like her because she's a white woman. So terrible, this environment. She meets some guy in the vestibule, doesn't know who he is, and the guy kind of forces his way in, not violating the rules. She opens the door for herself. She doesn't want to let him in. That's like, that sounds like it should and does happen all the time, right? Well, guess what? The guy was black, took out his phone, made a federal case out of it, gave it to the news, and it was on the top, it was the top story that very night. David Muir, the pretty boy, listen to this guy, picking on this poor woman, In St. Louis, Missouri, top of the news, the World News Tonight show, cut 15. The confrontation caught on video, a white woman blocking a black tenant from entering their apartment building, demanding proof that he lives there. My God, can you believe what just happened? Missiles flying into Taiwan? No. Resignation of a senator? No. A woman blocks somebody she did not know? Is that right? Just listen again to the tonality, to the intonation, to the seriousness, and the triviality of what he's actually talking about. One more time, 15. The confrontation caught on video, a white woman blocking a black tenant from entering their apartment building, demanding proof that he lives there. Oh, my God. By the way, confrontation, it wasn't physical. It wasn't like pushing and shoving or anything like that. You want to hear pushing and shoving? Let's go to Chicago. Cut 13. (laughs) Wow, there's a woman getting beaten up by a mob of kids. And somehow that was not on the David Muir show. Or was it? Maybe I should cut him a little. I'm assuming it was. I don't, I, I, after that disgusting episode, I, if he was horrified by that, he should be horrified. But let's see. Maybe David Muir actually covered it. Huh. Maybe he did. Let's see about that. I don't think so. I don't think so. Joyce, do you think so? Hello, Joyce. Welcome back. How are you? Hanging in there. How are you, Greg? Uh, good. What's going on? Look, I just want to send my sympathies to the family of Charles Stanley. I'm Catholic, but I watch him every Sunday. And I didn't know he was even 90. I thought he was in his 70s, late 70s or something. So I wish his condolences to his family. Very nice. And Very nice. Gonna, it's best to go in your sleep. That's for sure. Yeah. Tell me more. Yes. Um, I'm tired of waiting, Greg. Uh, First of all, I have Trump withdrawal syndrome. I need to see another rally. But also, the big guy belongs in the big house, not the White House. (laughs) I saw an email on TV. I saw it on TV. I don't have an iPhone or a smartphone, okay? 
I saw from Hunter to his daughter saying, I hope you don't have to give Pop half of the money like I did. So now I know I know James Comer is doing the best he can, but they ought to be showing that every day. Who do they think Pop is? All right. Uh, just so you know, is? well, just so you know, that's not a, okay. That's a text message from that was found on the laptop. And we've known about this thing since 2020. All right. We've known about it since 2020. It's not James Comer's fault that it's not bigger news. It's the fake news. They've stifled it. I've talked to Rudy Giuliani about it. He's the one who introduced that stuff to the world, and it's very, very important. It's evidence, absolutely. Now, you could also say, well, it's just Hunter piping off about something. Who knows what he's frustrated? It's an indication. It's evidence. You can dismiss the evidence, but it's evidence. You're right. Uh, but it's not throw the cuffs on evidence, that in and of itself. But it's it's a big deal. Look, I'm totally with you. I can't believe that he's not in uh, in legal jeopardy. He definitely should be. And I noticed that Comer is always trying to say, and I think this is a deal he made with McCarthy, all right? So McCarthy wants to get stuff done, and he has to go meet Biden every now and then. And to make McCarthy's life easier, he doesn't want to, when he's talking to Joe Biden, he doesn't want Joe to say, so I understand that your members are trying to put me in prison. And because Comer always makes the point, we're investigating so we can come up with better laws to make sure that this stuff doesn't happen in the future. So he's basically saying that Joe Biden did not violate the law. And it's, you know, like that. All right. So that's what he's he's, he's repeated that a lot. And by the way, you know, in a, in a weird way, it doesn't matter if he broke the law. I think he did. But it's still sleazy. I mean, right. Just because you didn't break the law doesn't mean you're uh, worthy of being president. So anyway, hang in there, Joyce. There's still plenty of going on. And Trump is out and about just about every day. Don't you think? And I just love him to death. Not to pieces. I'm not going to say to death. <laughs> to pieces. <laughs> but right. anyway, I just don't get it, how this man makes is laughing in our face, Biden. Because remember when those children were killed with the three uh, employees of that Christian school? Yeah, and he was uh, talking he, about ice cream and stuff. Check back. He says, I love my Chinese chocolate chip ice cream. Just play it back. It's very subtle, but you could hear him say Chinese. Okay? Really? I actually, yes. I, rem- I played that. I don't remember. He said Chinese. Chinese chocolate chip ice cream. It was very subtle. Yeah. But I picked it up. Thank God I have good hearing. All right. I'll check it out. You know, one thing I did notice, I mean, he's, he's, he's all giddy about chocolate chip ice cream. I don't think anybody should say the words chocolate chip if you're older than 12, right? I mean... At that point, you're done kind of like getting excited about chocolate chip, chocolate chip. It's such a little kid thing. And there he was all excited about his, well, what you tell me, Chinese chocolate chip. Very weird. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you very much. All right. Oh, I got something in the works. I can't talk about it just yet. But I think it's going to delight you, especially, Joyce. It really is. It's going to be great. Give me a moment. Many thanks. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, so, uh, so, uh, wait, what was that? I think, sorry about this. Sorry about this. Lost myself. Oh, uh, on this day in history, the Boston Marathon bombing happened. The Boston Marathon. Remember the Sarnayev brothers, those bastards? One of them is in prison right now awaiting the death penalty, which will probably come in uh, 30 years. And uh, the other one was killed by police in a shootout. Uh, Sarnayev Brothers, the Boston Marathon bombing, 10 years ago, right about now. May I hear that uh, clip, if you don't mind? This is cut 10, cut 10. There is a new tweet from the Boston Police Department in capital letters, the word CAPTURED. 
followed by three exclamation marks. It goes on to say, the hunt is over, the search is done, the terror is over, and justice has won. Suspect in custody. That is a tweet from the Boston Police Department. The suspect has been captured. You are watching live CBS News coverage of the capture of the remaining suspect in the Boston Marathon bombings. 19-year-old Jokar Sarnaev was discovered in Watertown, Massachusetts, just north of Boston. He was wounded. We might be able to presume that he was wounded in a ferocious firefight that he was involved in with police last night, but he was apparently discovered hiding in a boat that was behind one of the residents' homes. And the FBI and the Boston police have captured him. He. All right. They got the guy. And uh, what a terrible, terrible thing. All those people killed. Three people killed, 281 injured at a beautiful event, the Boston Marathon. So a couple of things about this. You know, uh, the Sarnayev brothers uh, came from Chechnya. Chechnya over there in, I guess, the former Soviet Union, right? So do you remember about how the NYPD was criticized for, what would they say, profiling, right, and demographics. It was so misunderstood by the lazy media, so misunderstood. So if you have a city as complex and as diverse as New York, and if you're in law enforcement, why would it be a bad idea to know where people live, where certain neighborhoods are, right? Like, for instance, most people know where Little Italy is. Most people know where Chinatown is. But do you know where, say, the Afghan, the Afghan uh, neighborhood is? People from Afghanistan. What about Eritrea? What about Ireland? Where where do folks come if they come from Ireland? Where, where do they go in New York? A lot of different places. Used to be the West Side, Hell's Kitchen, right? Now it's Masbeth. It could be a lot of different places. Now, why would the New York City Police Department need to know that kind of information? That's what the civil libertarian said. Oh, this is just a recipe for prejudice and all this nonsense. No, they were nonsense, all right? So the Sarnayev brothers with their Chechen roots, okay? Do you know where they were going as they were eluding the police? The police uh, 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 caught them and kind of cornered them in an alley. But do you know where they were on their way to? New York City. New York City. And New York City at the time was proactively saying, okay, if they come to New York, where might they go? Where might they go if they come to New York City initially, right? Maybe they would go to a Chechen neighborhood. Now, where is the Chechen neighborhood? Where is the Chechen neighborhood? What is, is there? There actually is a Chechen part of New York City. It's not 100% Chechen, but you would find an above average number of Chechens in this neighborhood. Now, why is that a value? Because that's where these guys are going. So you could, what are you going to do in a crisis when you have a terrorist attack that just happened and they're on their way to New York? Try to find an old episode or old edition of New York Magazine, the restaurant guide, and try to find it that way? A professional police department would actually know its city so well, down to the finest little grain of sand, and to know where a Chechen person might come or an Irish person or anything. That was just a state-of-the-art police department. And what did Bill de Blasio do? One of the first things, he broke up that unit, broke up that unit. So, you know, where is the Chechen neighborhood? I'm sure nobody in the NYPD knows that anymore. And if they do, they, they don't. there's no place to put that information. So one guy knows, knows that. Two guys know that. But they're not talking to each other. And if there's an emergency, where do you go for that kind of information? 
when you call Channel 7 Eyewitness News for the help, they're the ones who helped uh, elect Bill de Blasio. They're not going to help you. All right, listen, I got to go. Uh, but first, before I do, Ed is in Garden City. Ed, hi. Greg, love your show. I love the way you work religion into it as well. Your faith is uh, appreciated. The reason I called, though, is about this, uh, how right President Trump was about the uh, deep state. You know, and maybe you need to focus on that again a little bit. You know, the whole Russian collusion uh, hoax, the disinformation hoax about Hunter's laptop. Both of these were aided and embedded by some members of the FBI. The origin of COVID cover-up, where you couldn't even suggest that maybe, possibly, it came from a lab. Couldn't even say that. Now, all of a sudden, the FBI says it probably came from a lab. Probably the only thing they got right in the last seven years. Hmm. Now, there's the Havana syndrome. Oh, the Havana syndrome, which... uh... Which is probably fake news. Listen, you're right about the you're right about the deep state. Do you know it's been there for such a long time? I'm going to play a clip from tonight. A guy in 1975 complaining about the deep state and how the deep state had all these secrets, but wouldn't share them with our democratically elected leaders. What's up with that? Many thanks, Ed. Oh, I'm sorry, Ellie, Jacqueline, Marianne. To be continued. I'll see you tonight at ten. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh. The joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.